Bibles this morning, Psalm 96, Psalm 96. And as you're turning, uh, think about one of the most controversial topics in church today, kind of a a sacred cow that we like to protect, uh, is the topic of worship. Worship. What is required for worship? What boxes have to be checked? What all is involved in worship? And we're not going to dive too deep down the rabbit hole this morning of that topic. That's for a later day, uh, maybe sometime this fall, uh, talking about some sacred cows in the church. But we're in the middle of a cluster of psalms uh, that deal specifically with Worship focused on praise, thanksgiving. Uh, the people went into Babylonian captivity around 597 BC, and when they came home after being gone for 70 years, they had a new appreciation for worship. Why? Because they had been involved in a place that did not respect their God, they were involved in a place that uh, was against their faith, against their way of living, against what they believed. Against how they worshipped, against how they were raised, and because of those factors and many others, they had a newfound appreciation for how to worship the Lord. And in our culture today, we go to work in places that do not appreciate the God that you serve, the way that you're raised. They don't recognize the fact for you Sunday is a day of worship or them is just another day on the calendar. They don't appreciate the fact that you're uh, trying to live godly lifestyles. You're trying to live in righteousness. You're trying to uh, be good to your fellow man. You're trying to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. They don't understand or appreciate that. So what do we see in this passage of Scripture that points to an appreciation of worship in spite of all of those things? In spite of the fact that we have a freedom this morning to worship. Uh, How should we worship? Uh, Let's look at Psalm 96 and just read a couple verses today for context. Psalm 96 verse number 1 says, O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among His people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all God's. Uh, Let's pray together this morning and then we'll dive right in. Father, please bless our time together this morning. Speak to our hearts. Lord, I ask that you please show us how we can draw closer to you. Help us to see how we should worship. And uh, Lord, please receive our worship. Uh, Lord, please search our hearts and uh, search my heart. Lord, anything that's unclean, Lord, any sin unconfessed, please forgive me. Purify me this morning as I preach your word to your people. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, they've not been introduced to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Lord, they don't have you as their personal Savior. Lord, please draw them to yourself and help them to see that you are the greatest need that they have. Lord, I ask that you please show us how we can rightfully worship, purely worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, number one, if you're taking notes, the respect the respect. The first six verses deal specifically with how big our God is and how we should respect His majesty in our lives. But what should we respect? We see respect. How do we show that? Number one, we see respect in the direction 
that's mentioned. Verse 1 and 2, in the direction. Uh, no matter if you've been a Christian for 6 minutes or 60 years, uh, there is a new song when Jesus comes into our life. Psalm 140 in verse uh, 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, established my going, and He hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now Psalm 40 written by King David. But if you contrast that to Psalm 96 in verse number 1. It says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Unto the Lord. See, we don't sing a song that we used to sing. We don't sing the songs that we sing in our past about us that glorified us. We sing a song because we have been made new. He has put a new song into our heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become, becoming new. This is a new song. And there is a process that begins when we receive Christ as our personal Savior. It's called sanctification. See, when we receive Christ as our personal Savior, we are declared righteous. We are justified uh, by Him. Uh, just like it said in the song we sang this morning, justified, just as if I had never sinned. But as you grow in Him, maturing in Him, you're being sanctified. It's a two-part process. You're justified, justified, ready to stand before a holy God and, and give an account of your life, justified. But then the process where you grow closer to Christ is the process of sanctification. Look at your handout. The quote from C.J. Mahaney said, Justification is being declared righteous. Sanctification is being made righteous. Justification is objective and a unilateral act of God. It relates to our position before God. But sanctification is subjective. And a process in which we are daily involved, it relates to our practice before God. Justification is complete, total, and immediate at the moment of conversion. But sanctification is progressive, beginning at the moment we are converted and continuing until the moment we go to be with the Lord. These two doctrines are distinct yet inseparable, for God never justifies without also sanctifying. And see, when you get saved, when you receive Christ as your personal Savior, that is not the end. That is the beginning. That is the beginning of a new life in Christ. That is the beginning point to where sanctification begins and you start becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a new song, but it's also a new song to Him. It says, sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Verse 2, sing unto the Lord. Over and over and over, it's a new song to Him. 26 times in this psalm, we see pointed out that we are supposed to sing to Him. All of the attention is on Him. It's not a song. And there's nothing wrong with having songs that you sing to your spouse. Love me tender. You know, there's nothing wrong with having those songs that you sing to your spouse. And I will not sing it again, uh, but ever. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with having those songs to sing to your spouse. But the songs that we're talking about here are the songs that He deserves. 
the songs that we lift up to him. There are some songs that only should be sung to him. Uh, Can I just stop and, and give a pet peeve? I don't think songs should be universal in the fact that you should say, well, I could sing that song about my girlfriend or about Jesus. I think there's, there's supposed to be a separation. You know, hey, love me, love me, love me. I could sing that about my wife or about Jesus. No, 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 there, there's no, there's no comparison between the two. There should be a distinction in our songs that we lift up to him. So the question this morning is, do the songs that you sing properly represent who he is and what he's done in your life? Do the songs that you sing properly represent him, who he is, and what he's done in your life? We see in the direction, sing unto the Lord a new song. But the number two, we see in the declaration. Not just in the direction, but in the declaration, verse 3 through 5. It says, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. When was the last time you thought about who you're singing about? And when we come in to, song, to sing our songs, and when we come in and we sing and we lift up our voice and sing, when we think about we're not singing to Pastor Tim. You're not singing to the person sitting next to you. We're not singing to our spouse or the person behind us to impress them. We are singing to the Lord. We're declaring who He is in our lives. We're declaring His greatness and His goodness and praise Him above all things. And there's a reason we get excited when we sing about glorious day. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. There's a reason that we get excited about singing about that day. On that day, we will see you shine and bright. There's a reason we get excited when we ask the Lord, speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes and your glory. There's a reason we get excited because those songs are not aimed at us. They're aimed at him. We're singing about him. We're declaring who he is. Can I just say that that song should be an exciting song? We're not singing at a funeral service. Speak, oh Lord, I want Jesus to speak to me. Hey, bring some fervor and some excitement. When it says in Psalm 150 verse 6, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, I don't think that just means like a simple, ooh. You know, I'm praising the Lord. Pastor, you can see praise all over my face. I'm so excited. I'm going to heaven. Woo. Hey, if you're happy, notify this region of your body because we can't tell. We can't tell. When we talk about praising the Lord, there should be something within us that shows He is alive and well. He is alive and well. Can someone watch you sing praise to the Lord and actually believe what they see? When you sing, living, he loved me, dying, he saved me. Hey, I've been set free from sin. I no longer have to go to hell. Woo. Yay. When you go to your grandson or your granddaughter's ball game and they hit the ball, miraculously make contact, You know, they close their eyes and they swing and they make contact and you're just as shocked as they are. And they take off running. You don't go, ooh. Yeah! Woo! 
That's how we respond. Uh, we were at camp a couple weeks ago. It was the first time we actually got to go and spend the week uh, with Kennedy, our oldest one, who's at camp, and uh, she's in the and she's one of the older kids in her group with the juniors. And they were playing a game, and I posted a video. I should have, I, man, I should have brought that this morning, because uh, I got a little intense on the sideline. It was one of those games where there's a there's an inner tube in the middle of the circle, and they call out a number. And if your number is called Beverly Smith down here, because she commented, and uh, that, but there's an inner tube, and two girls take off, and they got to wrestle the inner tube away from the other kid. It was awesome. It was awesome. And so I'm standing there video, and, and I, in the video, I was not silent. I did not go, woo, you know. Man, I was in it. And you could tell the guy behind the video, whoever that crazy fool was, uh, was a little excited that his daughter wrestled this thing away from this girl. And, man, I was proud. It was a proud dad moment. But, hey, my praise on Sunday morning should not be less than that. Should not be less than that. Because if I'm going to get excited about something that right now, two weeks later, does not matter, if I'm going to get excited about that, I should get a whole lot more excited about something that's going to last all throughout eternity. Yes? We should be excited about our praise. Psalm 29 and verse number 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When we think about our song, it should be a declaration of praise for him. A proper reflection of what he's done for us. Does the song say that he's great? Does the song say that he is above all else? There's no one like him. Psalm 86, verse 8, Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. He even gives proof in verse number 5. There's no one like him. It says, The Lord made the heavens. The Lord made the heavens. He is the one. And over and over in Scripture, we see that God is the Creator. John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Isaiah 43 verse 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. See, we know that He's the Creator, but is He your King? See, there is a difference between acknowledge him, acknowledging Him as the Creator and acknowledging Him as the Lord of your life. See, I can acknowledge who our president is this morning. But if he called me or I called him, we have no relationship. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. We don't know anything about each other. We have no relationship, none whatsoever. But I acknowledge that he is the president. I acknowledge that. There's no doubt. But we don't know each other. And there are a lot of people in churches that's their relationship with God. They acknowledge that he's the king. They don't acknowledge that he's their king. They acknowledge that he is the creator, but they don't acknowledge that he is the Lord. And hey, if that is you this morning, let me encourage you lovingly. Get that settled. Get that settled. Say, Pastor, how important is it? Your eternal destination rests on it. That he is your Lord. He's the motivation of our song. Not just in the direction, in the declaration, but number three, in the distinction. Verse number six, it says, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. 
There's no one else more worthy of majesty and honor. We sing that chorus, majesty, majesty. But have we ever thought about the words of that song? The words on the screen this morning, majesty. Worship his majesty unto Jesus. Be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority. Flow from his throne unto his own. His anthem raise. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify the king of all kings. Christ Jesus the king. Majesty, worship his majesty. Jesus who died, now glorified king of all kings. See, he is the one. And how can you sing a song like that and think that that song's about you? That's not about us. It's about him. It's, there's no doubt it's talking about him. Lifting up him. Remember, they've been gone for 70 years. They're singing in the temple and they're lifting up their song. They're singing that song of praise for what he has done. But this morning, what do you have to sing about? Is the reason that we don't have a song in our heart Because you don't have a song at all? Could the reason be that you're not singing? And I'm not talking about this morning. I'm talking about in praise to the Lord. Could the reason be that you don't sing ever praise to Him is because you don't have that new song in your heart. And so we see the respect that we give. But number two, we see the response that we should have. The first six verses are all about sing, sing, sing. But then... In the next few verses, we see give, give, give. We see that we're to give. Number one, we should bring. Verse number seven, there are some things that we should bring. It says, give unto the Lord, O ye kindred of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Three times in these next two verses, we're told to give. Give, give, give. But what can you give a God who owns everything? It's very simple. You give him yourself. It's that story of that little boy who the offering plate was coming and all these people were putting in money and he did not know what to do. He didn't have any money and couldn't think of anything. His pockets were empty and said, I don't have anything to give and I just don't know. And the offering plate was coming and he was starting to stress and panic. And What am I going to give to him? And suddenly he had an idea. And his offering plate came by. He took the offering plate and he set it on the ground and he stepped in it. He didn't have anything else, but he said, Lord, you can have me. And that's exactly what he wants. Do we honestly think that God needs our money? God doesn't need anything, but he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to simply step in the offering plate and say, Lord, I don't have anything that I can offer, but I can give you what I have. I can give you myself. I can put myself On the altar of sacrifice. See, worship is not about a style. Worship is not contemporary versus traditional. It's not a list of songs that we sing. It's all about the position of our heart. Worship is all about the posture of our heart. And before we even bend a knee, we have to make sure that our heart is submissive to Him. Jerry Bridges said, Worship is the specific act of ascribing to God the glory, majesty, honor, and worthiness which are His. Psalm 95 verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We should bring. Number two, we should brag. Verse number 8. And before we think about bragging on ourselves, we should brag for who He is. 
for what he's done. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, not our name. We should boast. If we're going to boast in anything, it should be because of he, who he is. We can't even boast in our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know why it says that? Because God knows who we are. If we had anything to do with our salvation, we'd brag about it. We'd boast in it. You know, look, God, aren't you glad that you have me? Aren't you proud to say that I'm one of your own? You know, we should brag, but not in us. We should boast in him. We should give praise to him. And God's people are supposed to be givers. And I'm not just talking about money. God's people should have an attitude of give. First or Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. There should be something welling up inside of us when someone gets up and says, Hey, we need help in this area, or how can we serve, or what can we do? And then we're having a work day. There should be something on the inside of us that rises up and says, Pick me! Pick me. Let me help. Let me serve. Let me give. That should be us. Remember Isaiah said, remember the Lord said, who will go for us? Who will go for us? And Isaiah couldn't get his hand up quick enough. Here am I. Send me. Pick me, Lord. Pick me. Did you ever have that kid in school, when you're in grade school or middle school, who always knew all the answers? The teacher would ask a question and their hand would shoot up. Mm, 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 me, mm, mm, me, 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 me. And the teacher would scan to try and not call out the kid who knew it all. Is there anybody else? Almost like begging before I give it to this kid again. Is there anybody else? And he always, pick me, pick me, pick me. Hey, when God speaks to our heart, that should be our attitude. Lord, pick me, pick me, 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 pick me, use me. Do something in me. The Lord, I'll give. If, you, if, you'll, if you'll pick me, Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Pick me. Pick me. Hey, it is a high calling for him to look down. Remember, he's chosen us. He's chosen us. He's already said, hey, I already picked you. But what is he telling us to give? What is he telling us to get involved with? That could be serving. That could be a next step. Whatever that is. But we should boast in who he is. And then thirdly, we should bow before him. Verse number 9 and 10 it says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth, giving him glory, giving him an offering, all comes down to our willingness to submit to his authority. What does that look like? It begins with recognizing that he's the Lord of all. He's sovereign over all things. And when the Bible talks about fearing the Lord, it's talking about revering who he is, reverencing. Hey, I'm going to make sure that I give him the reverence due to his name. Psalm 33, verse number 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. I'm not afraid that he would squash me like a bug. I'm afraid of who he is and the authority that he has. I'm afraid of that. And when I have that kind of fear about who God is, it makes me put my life in the proper perspective. It shows me that he's everything and I'm nothing. It says in Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. One of the indicators of a person with a sinful heart is found in Romans 3.18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The person with a wicked, sinful heart, no fear. Do we have a reverential fear? We see the respect. We see the response. And lastly this morning, we see the rejoicing. The rejoicing in verse 11 through 13. And your first thought may be, man, if I, if I have to fear him, then I'm going to live a life full of anxiety and stress and worry, when in reality, the opposite takes place. When I submit myself to him, knowing that he is, in the, he is the one in control of all things, I don't have any reason to be afraid. I don't have any reason to stress. I don't have any reason to worry. Why? Because I know that he's in control. And that brings great peace. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall trouble them. Hey, we have someone above us. How should we rejoice? We rejoice from above. From above us. Verse number 11, it says, Let the heavens rejoice. What are they rejoicing in? That there's a God in heaven who's above us? They're rejoicing. We see the Hebrew word, shamayim. I hope I'm saying that right, Caleb. And, uh, you can correct me afterwards. Uh, it means everything above. Everything that's above me. Let the heavens rejoice. It's the same word in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's the same word used in Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. See, the heavens above us reflect the glory of God, show forth His handiwork. They rejoice in the Creator. But the question is, are we going to allow the heavens to do our job? Are we going to allow the heavens to exalt His magnitude more than us? Are we going to allow the heavens to praise Him and us to remain silent? See, we should see there should be rejoicing from above. But number two, there should be rejoicing from around us. From around us. Verse 11 again, Let the heaven rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar, the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful, joyful all that's therein. Let all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for He cometh. They should, all around us, you look at all of creation, is rejoicing in who he is. Paul said in Romans 8.22, For we know the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Creation itself longs for the day when he sets things right. When he puts everything in order. Isaiah said, Isaiah 49.13, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people. And we'll have mercy on the afflicted. But think about all those. All those things around us, creation. But think about all those in verse number 11 when it says, the fullness. We're commanded to take part. We're commanded to be involved. All the fullness thereof. It goes back to Psalm 150 verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. All right, let's practice. Here we go. You're responsible. If you got a breath, then you should have praise. You should have praise. John Owen said, The foundation of true holiness and true Christian worship is the doctrine of the gospel, what we are to believe. So when Christian doctrine is neglected, forsaken, or corrupted, true holiness and worship will also be neglected, forsaken, and corrupted. What we do on Sunday mornings is that worship. 
Could that be defined as true worship? If it's pointed at us, no. But if it's pointed at him, yes. We see what's going on above us and then around us. And then lastly, we see what's going on for those against us. Verse 13 says, for he cometh. Aren't you glad that he's coming? He cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the earth with righteousness and the people with his truth. There's a group standing on the outside in this verse. Those who he's coming to judge, verse 13. Those who have rejected him as their personal Savior. Those who are against him. See, for those, he's not coming to be a judge of understanding. He's coming to be a righteous judge. He's not coming to understand, you know, I understood how you lived. I understand it was hard, so I just accept what you're offering. No, no, no. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is just. The God of the Bible is righteous, meaning he's the same. He gives the same judgment across the board, no matter what. And God will never understand and pacify our sin. If your son was son or daughter was killed by a drunk driver in an accident, you would have a newfound hatred for alcohol. Your son or daughter killed tragically because maybe someone, this, that's your testimony, your story, and you have a profound hatred for alcohol because of what it did to your child. How do you think God the Father feels about our sin? When it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. He has a hatred, a pure and righteous hatred for our sin because of what it did to his child, because of what it did to his son. So do not ever expect that he will understand why I sin. No, no. He hates why we sin. He hates our sin. And he does not pacify our sin. He will judge the world with righteousness and truth. But what is truth? John 17, 17. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We talked about the process of sanctification earlier. How does he do that? With this word. With this book. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It lights our way. I want to illustrate that this morning as we close. I have a little flashlight on my key ring right next to my Lego Stormtrooper. Dominic gave me this. There it is, right there. Dominic, right there. So, uh, But right next to my Lego Stormtrooper, I have a little bitty flashlight on my key ring. And I'm telling you, it's, it's an O-light, but I'm telling you, when I turn it on, you can barely see it. Even in the dark, and we won't illustrate the dark this morning, but even in the dark, this does not, very, it does not do very much good, okay? It just, you can't even see it on the ground. So imagine this is my light. This is my light. It does nothing. Even in the dark, it does nothing. It doesn't help me at all. And there are things in our life we try and put in our way. Man, we try and illuminate, and there's a little bit more light. You see it on the wall there? There's a little bit more light. And we try and do all these different things, and we try and illuminate our own way, and there's a little bit better, and all these different things that we do, and there's a little bit better, and all these things. There's there's one that's making me nervous. And uh, all these different things, and we try, and there's all these different tools that we have. I don't even know how to turn some of these on. Ooh, that's bright. And uh, all these different things that we have access to, we're I can't even get it back in the thing. These are obviously not mine because I don't even know how they work. Uh, 
So there are all these different things. That one doesn't even work. Uh, but maybe it does. Maybe it's just user error. Uh, but when you think about light, see, I can try and light my own way. I'm not getting very far. Maybe if I go way down here. I'm not going to get very far with my light. But the Bible says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Just how bright will it get? Is that as bright as it will get, Mark? Looks like it. Oh, yeah, that's it. Some of y'all are already like, I can't see. Let's just, let's just share the love and the light. All right? Some of y'all are like, I'm blind. I have seen the light shining in the sanctuary. All right? So, but listen, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, you know, I can, I can do my own little thing. Here's my light. And Jesus is saying, pick up the book, dummy. Pick up the book. If you'll pick up the book, there's a whole lot of light that will shine on our path. Air guitar, yeah. But think about this. The Bible lights our way. I can imagine how foolish. No, I don't want this light. I'm going to use my little flashlight. Down there that doesn't work. Foolish. But isn't that how we live our lives when we won't even pick up his word? I got it. I got it all on my own. Lord, I can see with my little bitty flashlight that doesn't work. I got it all in control. And he says, if you'll just pick up my light. If you'll just pick up the light, it'll light your way. How do we know that we're to glorify the Lord? Because it tells us in His Word. How do we know what to glorify about the Lord? It tells us in His Word. How do we know what direction to go next? Pastor, will you pray for me? I don't even know what direction I should go in my life. Have you read the Bible? No, I'm just asking you to pray. Please don't ask me to pray if you've not read the Bible. Hey, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light, a light under my path. Did it go off? Is it still on? Oh, did it go off? Oh, there it goes. And a light under my path. And just, hey, sometimes when we read his word, it has that same reaction. Oh, it's too bright. And when we read his word, sometimes it is that bright. Sometimes it shows us stuff that we really don't want to see about ourselves. But we need to see it. Sing unto the Lord a new song. A new song. Give glory to Him. Giving Him glory. See, in a dark place, would you rather use your little bitty flashlight? Or something that's going to light your way? In a dark place, and I think we would all agree, we live in a dark place. Would you rather use your light? Or his light. Because his is the one that lights our way. Every head bowed. Every eye closes. Our music team is coming. Prepare for our time of invitation. Let me just ask you two very simple questions. And 
We'll pray and we're going to sing a song and be dismissed. Two simple questions. Number one, are you 100% for sure if you died, you'd be on your way to heaven? Do you know that heaven is your home? Do you know if you died, you would be going to spend an eternity with the Lord? Maybe you do. That's wonderful. But maybe you're here this morning and you don't know that. Maybe you're watching online and you don't have that settled in your heart. I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to send somebody to talk to you. I don't want to come and uh, pull you aside or anything like that. I don't want to embarrass you. I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to call your name out. But I would like to know who I'm praying for. Pastor, I'm here this morning and I, I don't know that. I don't have the confidence that you're talking about knowing that you're going to go to eternity and spend time with the Lord. I, I don't know that. I'm not confident in that. Maybe that's your testimony. Uh, could I be your friend this morning and just pray for you? With no one looking around, would you simply acknowledge that, hey, that, that's me, Pastor. You're talking about me. Would you simply slip up your hand just long enough for me to see it so I know who I'm praying for this morning? You can put it right back down, Pastor. I'm not sure. I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. But would you pray for me? Is that you? I don't want to miss you. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Somebody else say, Pastor, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Somebody else, Pastor, I'm not sure. Hey, I, I, I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced. Hey, can I say that's where I was when I was 17 years old? And I grew up in church. But I didn't know where I was going to spend eternity. I knew a lot of things about God, but I didn't know God. God didn't know me. We didn't have a relationship. Even though I knew a lot of verses and I grew up in church and I knew all the stories and I knew a lot of the songs, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's you. You haven't raised your hand yet, but you'd say, Pastor, please pray for me. Include me in that prayer. I don't know. I just don't know. I'm not confident. Please pray for me. Is that you? Is that you? I want to pray for you. I don't want to miss you, but I do want to pray for you. Pastor, please pray for me. I don't know. Pray for me. Can I encourage you today? If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, you can get that settled this morning, right now. We have personal workers that are all around you that would love to take the Bible and encourage you, show you what the Bible says about salvation. We'll talk to you, answer questions that you have. You say, Pastor, I'd like to talk to somebody. They're here for you. Maybe you're like I was. and Hey, I just, I'd like to just pray. Salvation is simply acknowledging who He is. And what you are in his sight. And asking him to forgive you of your sin. And be your savior. That's all it is. Knowing that you're a sinner. The Bible says all of sin comes short of the glory of God. You're a sinner just like I was. Just like I am. We still have a sin nature. But it's acknowledging that when Jesus died on the cross. He died for your sin. He died to pay your sin debt. And if you'll simply ask him to forgive you of your sin. And trust him that he is going to do what he promised to do. He'll save you. That's what salvation is. It's not a magical, mystical prayer. It's simply trusting that what he said in his word, he would do. He will do. Would you, right there in your seat, you can simply talk to him and tell him, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that if I stay this way, that I deserve to be separated from you because of my sin. And thank him for dying on the cross in your place. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and be your savior. That's what salvation is. This morning, would you simply talk to him about what he's talked to you about today? He showed you your need. You were responsible now with that information. Would you simply acknowledge to him your need and ask him to forgive you? Maybe you're here this morning. Second question. Maybe your worship isn't what it should be. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but 
If it's not what it should be, you already know. Maybe you've made worship about you instead of about him. Anytime we brag, but it's not about him, it's about us. And that's not true worship. We sing the song, speak, O Lord, and he speaks to our heart. There should be a response from our lives. Hey, is he talking to you today? Whatever he's telling you, would you talk to him about it? Would you acknowledge his voice and simply submit yourself to him? Whatever he's told you to do, whether that's to sing a new song, whether that's to give a part of what you've done and maybe uh, serve or take a step or maybe it is giving financial. I don't know whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But whatever he said spoken to you, would you speak back to him and submit whatever it is, whatever the need is. Maybe you're here and you have a prayer request. You want to come and pray with altars open. You can come and pray. But whatever it is, would you simply talk this morning? The team's going to sing in just a minute. and They're going to sing that song we sang, Speak, O Lord. If he's speaking, will you respond? Father, please bless our time of reflection and invitation. Please do a work that only you can do. Lord, I ask that you please speak to our hearts. We love you. Those who raised their hand and did not know that they're saved, do not know. Lord, please draw them to yourself this morning and help them to get it settled today. Lord, we love you. Thank you and praise you for who you are and the glory that is due your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing that song, Speak, O Lord.